0: Well, please turn to Isaiah chapter 55 with me. Isaiah chapter 55. When I was a young boy, I had the opportunity to watch a lot of game shows, to watch a lot of television. And there was this game show um, called The Price is Right. And uh, I don't don't know if you remember this, um, but Bob Barker... He would say, um, Ben Mitchell, come on down. <laughs> and, and, and Ben Mitchell would uh, come running down. He'd be screaming, waving his arms. He'd be flashing back, jumping up and down. And he was, uh, it was somewhat random. Well, this evening, I want to direct your attention to an invitation. And this is not an invitation from that is totally random, Uh, But what we have here is we have an invitation that is amazingly surprising, and we have an invitation from God Almighty comes to you and me, and he says, come. He welcomes us. So I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 55 and hear the reading of God's word. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David." that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. In the original, uh, the language is like this. Hey, you, I'm talking to you. Give me your attention. Look this way. Um, For me, this kind of strikes a chord because when I worked in the steel mills in Pittsburgh, Uh, there was the word ho. Everyone is always saying, ho, watch out for the pipe that's coming over. Watch out for the big crane. Ho, give me your attention. Well, in the old King James, God said, ho, give me your attention. And right, right now, what we have is we have God Almighty, the God who made the heavens and earth. He says to people like you and me, look this way, listen, give me your undivided attention. I'm speaking to you. Notice first of all, in verses one to three, that God invites people like you and me in. Now, what's he inviting us into? Sort of sounds like a banquet, sounds like some kind of uh, dinner, sounds like a feast, and uh, God is using rich imagery and metaphors to describe coming into his presence and coming into a relationship with him. And you see all the imagery? God is describing himself as the waters. He uh, will supply us with wine, milk, rich food. He's using language to get our attention. He's using imagery full of pictures. And you say, what's up? I mean, is God calling me to dinner? What's he doing? Well, he's using metaphors. He's using rich, powerful language. Uh, When my children were growing up, we would read the word. One day I'm um, talking about Jesus being the bread of heaven who's come down, and I said, we need to eat up the word of God. We need to feast upon the word of God. Little Rebecca, she's like six, seven years old. She picks up a Bible, and she starts chewing on the back of the Bible. I thought, and the kids laugh, but, but, but God is literally saying to us, I wanna invite you in. And notice that his invitation is free, completely, absolutely free. Grace is free. God says, come, buy wine and milk without price. And there is this astonishment of grace. You know, there is this, um, we are shocked that God Almighty would come to us and welcome us to come in. Uh, God in 1 John says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. This morning I preached uh, from John chapter 4 and the Samaritan woman, and she is shocked that Jesus would ask her for a drink. Jews don't speak to women, and what's more, she's a Gentile. And what's more, she's not a good Gentile. And she says, sir, give me this water so that I may be satisfied so I'm not going to uh, thirst again. And Jesus says to her, go tell your husband. And, And that would be like a ton of bricks hitting her because she's gone from man to man and she has never been satisfied. She has been thirsty and she has been dissatisfied with all of her pursuits. Now, that's the way it is with all of us here. All of us are drinking from some source, from some place to find satisfaction, uh, from some place to find relief or whatever. And um, what God is doing here is he's welcoming us, inviting us to come to him. And just as Jesus said to the woman at the well, He said, I want you to throw the bucket of your life into something that's really going to satisfy you. And I would ask you, what are you throwing the bucket of your life into to provide for you that satisfaction, that joy, that peace? What are you doing? Well, God sent his word inviting us to come. And so the Lord says emphatically, listen, listen to me, eat what is good. And we see this theme of God's invitation all throughout the Bible. Jesus, on the last day of the feast, the great feast, he stands, he cries, and he says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. In Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. Now, maybe you're thinking, God, can you just get down to plain everyday language? I mean, come on, let's drop the metaphors. Tell us what you're talking about just shoot straight with us and in verse 3 God drops the metaphor and he says incline your ear come to me he gets down to his basic promise and he says in the simplest most clear terms I will make an everlasting covenant with you like I did with my servant David now this is good news And this is just another way to say, I will send to you Jesus. And I promise that I'm going to send to you someone that's going to rescue you and deliver you and is going to make your life a tremendous blessing. And Jesus is the answer to every one of our needs. He's the only Savior who will make our lives sweet. Now, not only does God invite us in, but... We have to respond, and uh, God sends us out, and notice in verses 4 and 5, and verses 12 and 13, that God sends us out. In verses 12 and 13, God, again, is using rich imagery, powerful metaphors, and uh, God sends us out with joy in mission. He says, you will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And then verse 13 is a reference to the curse being reversed and God making an everlasting sign that shall never, ever be cut off. Now, what we see here is that Jesus Christ is giving himself to us. And what we have here is really a promise that God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth a place where righteousness dwells. No one will ever hurt or destroy in all of God's holy mountain. That he uh, promises that one day the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And he's he's making a promise here that is amazing. And really, this is what mission is about. You have something of infinite value and that you've received something, you've been brought in, and now, even as Psalm 67 says, you're to go out and declare to God the blessings that you've received. You're to make known his glory among the nations. And God sends you out with a message of grace. Now grace is very humbling. And there's nothing that we have to boast in, nothing we have to brag about. Um, And you know, oftentimes I think Presbyterians, as Presbyterians, we could be feel like we know something more, feel like we have something to brag about, we feel like we're smarter. Uh, Maybe we're more precise in our doctrine, we're straight as an arrow, we we, uh, can divide the truth, Uh, we understand the big picture of God's uh, redemption, and you know, that's very humbling, but God sends you out with a message of grace, and he says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, and now I'm going to send you out as a witness on mission." Just like I sent my servant David out, I'm going to send you out. Now that word witness, it has the same idea in the Hebrew that it does in English. And in our language, there are two ideas. First of all, there's a witness in court. That's somebody who's going to testify. That's somebody who's going to uh, uh, be a witness about something that happened. But then secondly, it means to be a notary. You go to the bank and they ask for your signature. They ask you to verify and confirm that this person is who they say they are and that you sign and you verify with your signature. You make vows and you as a believer, as someone who's been brought in, you've experienced something and now you have something to tell. And that's what uh, the whole Bible is about. In Genesis, God called Abraham. He said, Abraham, go outside. Look at the stars. And God said, so shall your seed be. Abraham, I want you to go. And uh, we see that with Moses. Moses encounters God in a burning bush. And now God says, go and tell your people that I am sent you. I will deliver your people. Isaiah 6, Isaiah goes in to the temple. He sees the seraphim, and he says, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people that have unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. And then God says, Isaiah, go. And I'm uh, sending you out. And he touches his lips uh, with a burning coal. And he... Send, tells him to go. God never calls you radically in without radically calling you out. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. In Romans chapter 10, Paul, uh, he encounters God through the gospel, through Jesus, and Paul is humbled And Paul says in Romans 10, how can they call on him whom they have not believed? How can they believe in him him whom they've never heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? And that's what um, the whole Bible, the message of the Bible, it doesn't dead end with you. It's not a dead sea where everything goes in, nothing goes out, but there is a response to grace. Uh, God calls you in that he may send you out. Now, isn't it true that we live in a world of social media and everybody is always telling and describing what they experienced? what they watched on TV last night, what they experienced when they were driving on the highway, uh, when they were coming home, uh, what happened at work to them, and so on and so on. And I want to ask you this. How do you admit that your life has been turned upside down and yet no one ever knows about that? How can you say... That God Almighty has come and taken up a tabernacle in your life. God the Holy Spirit lives and indwells in you, yet that never comes out. You know, that never is known. Well, no one that is brought in stays in, they're sent out. Now, whatever you've experienced, it compels you to share with others. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. The love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ constrains me. And where has he redeemed you from? Uh, there is a book, I would it's an older book, but it uh, talks about your gutter. What's the gutter that God redeemed you from? Where did he bring you from? And do you have nothing to tell, nothing to speak about? Now, notice also that you, as a Christian, are a witness to all the good things and compelling things in your life. And here at this missions festival we're lifting high the cross. And we're gonna hear all week long about ways in which God is propelling us outward, outside of ourselves, that we are a people with mission, and God is up to something. God is doing something. And we understand the grace of God in the clearest of terms. Now, Frederick Nietzsche, that pagan philosopher, he wrote, God is dead. And, you know, he said something quite interesting and provocative. He said, you Christians, you're going to have to look a little bit more redeemed if I'm to believe in your Redeemer. And what he was getting at is, why are you so dour? Why are you so heavy? It's like you walk around with the world on your shoulders, but you're going to have to look a little bit more redeemed, and here in Isaiah 55, God says the mountains are clapping their hands, the trees are uh, singing, breaking forth into joy, and how much more we, as God's people, run to the nations to declare what God has done. So God brings you in, invites you in, He sends you out, but I want to ask you the question, how do you come in that you might be sent out? Um, And in other words, if you were invited to a wedding, if you were invited to a special event, you would RSVP. Well, how do you do that? Well, notice in verses 6 to 9, we see how we can accept there's a principle here. And you know what that principle is? Timing is everything. And the same principle, it runs throughout the Bible. God says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And just as we heard this morning, that harvest is not going to be around forever. We can lose the harvest. And uh, none of us like high-pressure salesman, um, and I mentioned this morning that my wife is extremely shy. Well, there was one instance where she wasn't shy, and we had this, uh, in Florida, the big thing is window replacements. In other words, and, we, and I had this uh, guy come into the house, and he was going to describe uh, how we needed to buy, you know, $70,000 worth of windows uh, so that we could save on our uh, electric bill. Well, he, he, then he, he proceeds to take his window that he brings in, and he has a little two-by-four, and he says, this window is, um, nothing can happen to this window. And he takes his two-by-four, and he slams it like that, and it shatters into thousands of pieces. We are still finding glass in our house. And my wife, she calls me into the kitchen, and she says, please tell that gentleman to leave. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that... Uh, And we got hounded time and time again. Well, God doesn't badger us, but God speaks very truthfully, very graciously to us, and he says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, because there's going to be a day when he won't be found. Now, I had the privilege when I was pastoring uh, Rocky Mountain Prez to baptize a little girl, 12 years old, she made a profession of faith. Well, fast forward another 12 years, and a year ago, that young woman, she's out on New Year's Eve, uh, ringing in the New Year, partying, having a great time with her boyfriend. She went to sleep that night and never woke up. And then I had the sad, difficult task of officiating her funeral, and you know how many funerals have you been to, where no one had any idea that that person wasn't going to be with you any longer. Time and time again, uh, we are shocked by the how transient, how short, how brief life is, and God says, "Seek the Lord while He may be found; call upon Him while He is near." because there will come a day when God won't be near, won't be found, and we cannot seek him. Now, we see that with life, and we go through life, and again, and again, and again, our particular response is tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day, you know, and, but I don't know about you, but a lot of you, you've got a lot of children. Uh, you're busy you're going every which way, and you can't even think about which way is up, and you're saying, I'll get serious about you later. Well, the Lord says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, let me ask you this. How do you accept God's invitation? And we see in verse 7, that God says, let the wicked forsake his way, let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And the Bible calls this repentance. Repentance is turning and repentance is going in a different direction. It's saying, yes, Lord. It's honestly saying, yes. I've been living for myself, and all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has gone our own way. Um, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in the Old Testament, uh, repentance has to do with the totality of your being turning. Jesus describes repentance in terms of a yoke. He says, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's changing direction. Now, uh, there is a response to this invitation, and how do you respond? And we need God, God's grace. We need the gift, the grace, of repentance. Now notice in verse um, 10 and 11, God tells us that His word is like the rain and the snow. And he says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in that which I sent it. Now, let me ask you a question. Where is the most likely place where you're going to hear about God? Don't you think it's in worship? Don't you think it's where the word of God is being ministered to? And you know what we do, we tend to say, um, God, um, I'm involved in worship, but I, I really don't have time. Or, um, and, and, and really, as parents, you know, I would say the most healthy thing that you can do is to bring your little ones and your children to worship. Just to sit under the Word of God. Um, and it might not seem very beneficial, but it's very, very healthy. And then notice um, how do you get faith? Well, faith is a gift from God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You need faith. And God here is describing um, how faith is brought into us and how God works. So God invites us to a feast. He says, come. When he speaks, respond. Don't put him off. Don't uh, ignore him. Don't neglect him. God says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And, um, you know, one of the things that's so amazing is this. Friends, what you discover When you begin to seek God is you learn that he came seeking for you. He is a God that seeks to save the lost. Uh, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. But, Lord, we realize that I was found by a people, God says, who did not seek me. I was heard by a people who did not call upon me. So God welcomes us. He says, come, buy wine, buy milk without money. doesn't cost you anything. It's incredibly expensive, but it's given to you freely. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, so he welcomes us in, in order to send us out, and um, my prayer for us all is that uh, this evening, I know even in a place like this, a place where the word of God is ministered all the time, that there uh, may be someone in this place that you've been going through the motions, you've kind of... Uh, just go with the program. Uh, you come to church regularly. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've uh, been discipled, gone through a communicants class. Maybe you even teach Sunday school. And the question is have you come in? Have you received God's invitation? Are, have you sought the Lord while He may be found? Are you calling upon Him while He's near? And then I know in a place like this, there are many of you that God wants to send out on mission. Let's pray. God in heaven, you are good. You are gracious. Who's a God like you? And we praise you. We give you thanks that you are a God who comes seeking. And Jesus, you have uh, sought for worshipers, God seeks worshipers. God, here at this place, we pray that you would pursue individuals, and Lord, even as we heard today from a brother, you are the hound of heaven, and you came seeking for us, and we praise you, and we give you thanks. And God, our prayer, our request tonight is that as we're quiet here in this place, as there's not a lot of noise, there's not a lot, not a lot of commotion, that you would speak to us. And just as you spoke to little Samuel in the temple and he responded, and uh, he said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Lord, we would be those that respond. And Lord, we confess That unless you give to us new hearts, unless you break our hard hearts, unless you give us hearts that can respond, we are dead in our sins. And we pray, Lord Jesus, would you be pleased to draw us, and would you welcome us, and would you do what only you can do? And we ask these things for your name's sake, amen.